Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. On this show, we always like to go to the expert when we uh, when we want to know some, about something or talk about something that's going on. Brian Howell does a fantastic job covering Colorado. He is the beat reporter for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera. He's written several sports books. A good follow on Twitter at Brian Howell thirty three. He's joining us now. Uh, UCLA this week. Will, will Colorado's players play for Carl Durrell? I keep asking myself that question. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I, I don't know if they'll play for Carl Durrell, but I think they'll play for themselves. And um, that's not to say they don't like Carl Durrell, but I think that they're, uh, I think they're really coming together as a team from everything I've heard. Now, how much that you know shows itself on Saturday, I don't know. But this team, from everything I've heard, you know, the intensity is still there, the belief is still there, the confidence is still there. Uh, we don't get to watch practice, but the energy through the gates uh, this this week was was higher than it's been in the last couple of weeks. So. I think there's a sense of urgency, and they're going to play, I would say, for each other, and that probably includes Carl. The quarterback position has been a problem. It's it's sort of been a, a big question mark week to week. What is happening with the quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, they've had three different plans in three different weeks, and uh, I would not be surprised if they've, got, if they've got a fourth different plan tomorrow. I mean, uh, they've kind of gone between Brendan Lewis, who was last year's starter, and J.T. Shroud, the former Tennessee transfer, that's who's played the, the first three games, basically. But, you know, Owen McCown, whose who's father is Josh, who played in the NFL for a couple decades as a true freshman, played the final series in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, he is in the mix. I mean, he, he was getting first-team reps this week and would not surprise me if he gets the start on Saturday. Yeah, I think at this point, if you're Carl Durrell, you got to do anything to kind of shake things up and try to find some offense. Though they're getting UCLA. UCLA has a six-game win streak. They're coming into Boulder. What kind of crowd? Who like? Will they get a crowd that shows up for this game? Not like they. Not like they've been getting. I mean, I've been told that they project about forty-one thousand, which is huge for UCLA. You know, <laughs> <As> <laughs> the Rose Bowl crowds have been have been low, but um, it's about they're projecting about forty-one thousand, which is about six thousand less than they had in the opener for TCU. Um, so it, it won't be a great crowd. How many of those people show up? I don't know, but that's tickets sold. So um, noon is a tough time for you know students, obviously, after a Friday night. So we'll see how many of them show up. But um, I don't anticipate it being a, a great crowd, but I think it should be a decent crowd. We're talking to Brian Howell, uh, who is in Colorado. He's the beat guy that you want to read if you want to know what's going on with Colorado football. Rick George, the AD, he issued that statement last week. It felt like he was trying to empathize with fans and go, look, I'm frustrated too. But what did you make of that, the AD coming out like that and making that statement? Yeah, I, I thought that he probably had to say something, although there's really nothing at this point that he can say that's going to make fans happy short of firing Carl Durrell. I mean, there's just a lot of fans that are ready to move on. And so, you know, for a lot of fans, that statement was kind of, you know, white noise and, you know, they don't want to – they don't want to hear from Rick George, but I do think he had to kind of say something instead of just being silent and you know, kind of say, "Look, I get it. We're looking into the situation." He didn't, you know, throw his full support behind Carl. He just said, "Hey, we're trying to fix it." 
as you look at what Rick George faces, it looks like, you know, if he wants to buy out Carl Durrell's contract, that, you know, he'd owe him about $7.8 million plus whatever is left over from this year, $7.8 million from January on. Is that a number that Colorado's boosters are willing to absorb, or does that become an obstacle? I think it's a little bit of an obstacle, but it might get to a point where you've got to just get over that obstacle. Um, you know, there's some things that can mitigate that. You know, it is right now it would be about 8.7, so it's 7.8 plus about a fourth of what he's owed for this year. So we've got 8.7, but, you know, that's paid monthly over the course of two years. So you can do things to kind of mitigate that. Uh, plus, if Carl gets a job, and, and he's a coaching lifer, uh, he's respected in the NFL, I could see him um, getting an NFL position coaching job. Um, whatever he makes there would offset that. So I think that that buyout, it, it's a big number, but I think it would be a lot less, um, or at least a decent chunk less, you know, after all the dust settles. So what, uh, some things they can get through. It, what's the what's the downside of, you know, staying with him for another year? And, you know, because I originally thought it's not this year for Carl Durrell. It's probably probably next year if he doesn't get it done. But now I'm starting to wonder, like, do they have to do something this year? What's your thought on that? Yeah, I, I think just judging things off of the fans. I know that, you know, usually on social media we hear from the vocal minority, right? Uh, but basically tone from the fan base, is they are done, and I think that you really risk uh, losing a lot of your fan base if you stick with them. Um, you know, I, I've covered this program for 13 years, and this is one of the three or four roughest stretches I've seen, and I've never seen the head coach survive any of the other ones. So um, I would really be surprised um, if he survives past this year, unless there's some sort of miraculous turnaround, and you know they're five and four in conference or four and five, and they look a lot better in these last nine games. The Big Ten took UCLA. They also took Mel Tucker, and I'm kind of trying to figure out: was it just the timing of them taking Mel Tucker from Colorado that that you know caused the face plant of the program? Because I felt like Colorado was moving in the right direction, and and when you look at Colorado, I I think a reasonable approximation for Colorado is Washington. I, I that same kind of support, that same kind of tradition. You know, wh- what happened here? Is it Was it just Mel Tucker leaving? No, I think it's a combination of things. And, and you're right. They were headed in the right direction. You know, and I think fans ought to give more credit to Mike McIntyre for getting things uh, going in the right direction. It was time to move on from him, I believe. Um, but I thought they replaced Mike McIntyre with a, with a good coach in Mel Tucker. Um, it just he happened to leave after 15 months, and you can't plan that. So um, they were going in the right direction, but then that changes everything. And then all of a sudden you throw in the pandemic. And, you know, things that no other coaches had to deal with before Carl Durrell is NIL and a transfer portal. And so you throw all those things in there, and Carl Durrell's kind of an NFL guy that's trying to adjust to college ball anyway. And then you throw in these new things. Um, I, think, I think all those things combined have been hard for Carl to adjust to. And the transfer portal is big because Colorado, uh, the university, has some um, tough standards as far as getting transfers in, and they really can't get a lot of the transfers in that their peers get in. Um, so, like, Carl Durrell was telling me, and it's not just football, I've heard it from the basketball coaches, that they can go after some of these kids that are first-year transfers or grad transfers, but those middle transfers that have been at their school for two, three years, they can't really get into school. And so they don't even try because, um, you know, one example is I heard that at one point there was like 11 receivers they were looking at in the transfer portal, and the, the university came back and said, well, nine of these guys we can't get into school. Wow. So, you know, when you're behind the eight ball on the transfer portal in this day and age, that makes it tough too. 
Brian Howell with us, Boulder Daily Camera in the Buff Zone, covers Colorado football, among other things. You sat down, you had a one-on-one with the chancellor at Colorado, Phil DiStefano. Um, you published that interview, uh, fascinating stuff. He, he talked about a range of things. Let's start with the Pac-12 in general. Sounded like he was confident that the 10 remaining members are going to hold together. Yeah, and I think that's the message we've been hearing from um, George Klyakov, obviously, and and uh, from other report reporters uh, that we've seen from you know some of your reporting and John Wilner. Um, that's kind of the the tone we're getting from the Pac-12, and um, you know, Phil DeStefano is very confident that that group will stay together. And uh, I think that once everybody kind of got through that initial shock of UCLA and USC leaving uh, in late June, I think that once that dust settled, it was like, all right, let's kind of take. You know, an inventory here of what's going on, and I think that right now that group is very well together. I think that that that's true that they're that they're bonded and they want to make this work. Now, I think that's interesting because that's one of the four corner schools for our listeners that you know the Big Twelve is m- rumored to be after. Um, was there any kind of talk in your world about the Big Twelve when all this broke in in UCLA and USC left? Uh, did that ever get serious or was it just chatter? I think it was just chatter and. You know, I fell into some of that a little bit, and, and I, w- I was asked in those early days where I think Colorado might be in, in, in a couple of years, and I was I was saying the Big 12, but um, I've backed off of that. I don't I don't see that. Um, I don't think there was ever any traction to Colorado going to the Big 12. I don't think it was ever serious uh, whatsoever. Um, it sounds like there was some of that, a lot of that coming out of the Big 12 part of it, but not really the CU part. We've been talking a lot about Amazon. You asked the chancellor uh, about the digital opportunities. What where's his mind on the Pac-12 network and the digital stuff? Yeah, he's really um, confident in what they have in the Pac-12 network and uh, the fact that you know they they still own 100 percent of it. And I know that sounds Larry Scott like, right? <laughs> you know, that, hey, we own 100 percent of the network, but <laughs> he thinks that that's a that's a very marketable thing as they go through all this that they could sell the rights to the Pac-12 network to somebody. Um, and he's very for the digital aspects, and I think George is as well, George Klyavkov. Um, and I see that being a big part of what uh, the Pac-12 does going forward. I, I don't think all their money is going to come from, like, an ESPN. I think they're going to figure out some way to get um, Amazon or Apple involved to where uh, that's a big part of the distribution for the Pac-12. Feels like it. Uh, Phil DiStefano is the chancellor at Colorado. He was the former head of the Pac-12 CEO group at one time. Uh, we're talking to Brian Howell, who covers Colorado for the Boulder Daily Camera and Buff Zone. If you want to know what's going on with Colorado, this is the guy to talk to. Um, did Stefano talk about expansion at all? Did you guys drill down on, you know, San Diego State, SMU, anybody? He did. Um, he didn't really want to talk about specific schools, um, but he has said that there's, you know, been some schools that are thrown around, but he, he's very for expansion, and, and it does sound like that's, something that's been talked about, uh, you know, within that CEO group that um, at some point during these negotiations, you've got to, you know, look at expanding. Um, I would be a little surprised. Um, I don't know about you, but I'd be surprised if when it's all said and done, the PAC-12 the PAC is only 10 schools. I, I think they're at some point going to look to add maybe a San Diego State and SMU um, schools like that. We're talking to Brian Howell. Uh, did, did Stefano give you an idea? Does does he share that frustration that Rick George and the fan base has when it comes to the trajectory of the football program? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I didn't have anything in that article, um, him talking about football, because his comments were almost exactly like Rick George's statement. Um, it's, it's frustration, but, you know, hopes that they can get it right. And, 
you know, it, it's really up to Rick George, he was saying at this point, to kind of figure out what to do. But um, they just want to get it right. And they would rather not have to come up with $8.7 million to throw at a coach to go away. Um, and so that's kind of the hope is, like, can we turn this around in these next couple of weeks? Um, but, yeah, there's definitely frustration from the top down. Feels like there may be a panic move here for Durrell. And, and you talked about the quarterbacks. You know, I know that you're on record saying J.T. Shrout, give him the next two games, but do you think Darrell starts the freshman? Does he go with Owen McCown against UCLA? Yeah, my gut tells me he goes with Owen McCown, and I think that part of that is a little bit of a panic move. Um, I think he's trying to, you know, save his job, salvage the season, however you want to say it. Um, you know, it's probably a little of both, but um, I do think he goes with that move. Um, you know, Owen played fairly well. Uh, he got the last drive last week. He gets Minnesota's backups and played fairly well. Um, and he's got a big arm. I mean, he, he's small, but he's got a big arm, and he's learned a lot from his dad. He played in the NFL for a long time. So um, I'm excited to see him play, but I would still give JT Shrout two more games. I mean, they, we have not seen JT play in normal circumstances yet, and I would like to see that before you move on from him. I actually think this is a, a good matchup for Colorado, if there is one in the Pac-12, because everybody's kind of looking at Colorado going, they just stink. And But we've all seen teams that – you know, when faced with, hey, your coach is going to be fired, they come out for whatever reason, they, they play really well. UCLA has not looked that great. Is there, as you talk to players and coaches, is there a little bit of hope this week that maybe hasn't existed in in normal weeks? Yeah, you know, it, it's strange uh, to see the confidence out of this team considering how they played the first three weeks. And it's not at all cockiness, but it's still a belief that they, that they can get this fixed. And, you know, some of that is probably, you know, the fact that they're 0-0 in the conference and they believe that, hey, this is a fresh start. But when you watch them on film and, you know, coaches have said the same thing, the players have said the same thing, there are little moments where you're like, man, if they just would have hit that wide-open receiver, you know, now all of a sudden that drive keeps going and you can start 7-0 instead of, you know, you're down 14 nothing early on in this game. So there are little things, and I do think playing at home helps them that they can be back at home. They're usually – better at home, and so I think that that could help them stay in this game with UCLA. First three weeks of the conference play, it's it's UCLA at home, it's at Arizona, and then it's Cal at home. You know, it, if he can't turn it around, if he can't win one or two of those, feels a little bit dire. Do you think he's, you know, and this could be his last home game, as you pointed out in print, like, do you think if they lose this game and lose at Arizona, is that it for Darrell, or do you get a sense on... You know, is it depending how they play? Yeah, I think that it could depend on how they play. Um, if they're not close in either of these next two, uh, and then they have the bye week after Arizona, I would be shocked if they didn't make a move at that point. Um, you know, I don't know what administration that is thinking, but I think I don't know how you get through that bye week without making that change if you've been blown out, um, especially at Arizona. And this is not to knock Arizona. I know they're better, but. You know, this is a team that's been the bottom of the conference the last couple of years. You know, if you get blown out at their place, and now you're definitely the very bottom of the conference, it's hard to really come back from that. And um, but if they play better these next two weeks, and maybe if they steal one, then uh, I think he could, you know, hang on to his job at least going uh, through the bye week. Yeah, the last month of the season, November, Colorado has Oregon at home. They're at USC. They're at Washington, and they host Utah. That could be that could be ugly, Brian. I you know what I. I'll send you a beer. <laughs> you know? I'm not sure if there's a team in the Pac-12 with a tougher November or, or a tougher stretch of games anywhere 
on their schedule. I mean, that's a brutal four games, even if you are a good Colorado team, but that's even more brutal when yeah. you're playing like that. Yeah, I thought Oregon had it bad because Oregon in November, they do get Colorado in the first weekend, but then they've got Washington and Utah back-to-back and then Oregon State. That could be a tough three games, but that's nothing like what Colorado's facing. So uh, I wish you the best. Uh, Thanks for doing what you do, Brian. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you. You bet. Thanks for having me. Carl Durrell, this weekend may be his final weekend as Colorado's coach. He's got UCLA, or maybe they turn it around and they play for him. I don't know. But I I feel like there are some guys – who are made to be coordinators and just don't translate to being great head coaches. Carl Durrell feels like one of those guys. Reminds me a little bit of Mark Helfrich when he came in at Oregon. Would trust Helfrich with your offense. You'd trust him to recruit and develop a quarterback, work with a quarterback, call a game, but probably not a CEO in, in, a, you know, in, a, in a major college program. So I think Carl Durrell's dealing with some of that as well. Um, big contrast there between Carl Durrell at Colorado and what Jed Fish did coming in at Arizona. And I think it's easy to kind of draw those comparisons. I mean, Fish drummed up a whole bunch of excitement and enthusiasm, went to the transfer portal, got like 21 new players, um, and Durrell is still looking for a quarterback. Can't get a wide receiver. Um, really, really tough time for Colorado after Mel Tucker left for Michigan State. But Rick George, that athletic director, if they don't win this game, they go on the road to Arizona next week. If he uh, doesn't make a change at that point, they come uh, after a bye week, they come back home against Cal. Feels like Colorado might be making a change. I want you to leave it here. We've got a big weekend of Pac-12 football coming up. We'll talk more about it. you got the BFT statewide on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Coming up in the final segment, we'll do what's on tap. But in this segment, I want to talk a little bit about the Pac-12 Week 4 games. Let's rip back through these games. Uh, We gave our predictions on yesterday's show, but I kind of want to double down because, you know, things change, people change, or maybe you missed it. Let's start, guys, with UCLA at Colorado. We just talked to Brian Howell of the Boulder Daily Camera. Uh, 11 a.m. Saturday, Pac-12 Networks. Bruins are a 21-point favorite on the road. Uh, for me, this game comes down to whether or not the Buffaloes will play for Carl Durrell. He's, gonna, he's going to jimmy jack around with the quarterback position, probably may start a freshman there, but I don't see it. I think UCLA boat races Colorado uh, and covers the 21. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to bet my hard-earned money on Colorado, no matter what it is. Uh, I don't have a good lean on it. I would, I would go UCLA just because I don't trust Colorado, but, man, three touchdowns is a lot to give up. But, yeah, UCLA. No, I, I am going with the three touchdowns. I think I, I'm with John here. I, I think they, they boat race them. And, yeah. man, Colorado, like they're down to their fourth quarterback now. They've tried four different guys, potentially. I think they've tried three so far, maybe a fourth. It's just it's a huge mess there in Boulder. Yeah, they don't have a quarterback. If you have four, you don't have one. Uh, Oregon is at Washington State. Ducks, 1 p.m. Saturday, Fox. Ducks are favored by seven. I think it's going to be a great game. This might be the best game of the weekend. It is Washington State's disruptive front seven against Oregon's offense that looked like it clicked a week ago against BYU. I got Oregon. I think this game's close. I think Washington State has a chance because they have the home field to ugly this game up a little bit. But I haven't seen enough from Cam Ward in the Washington State offense to pick them to win it. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I haven't seen enough out of that Washington State offense. I I, I like the Ducks. I like the Ducks uh, laying the points as well. 
I think the Ducks are going to win by seven to ten points. Just I, I have the trust in the Washington State defense. I haven't seen it, the offense even against bad opponents in Idaho or Colorado State, so I don't see how they're going to get going on the on the offensive side against Oregon. Yeah, if the strongest part about Washington State's team is their front seven, well, it, I think it, Oregon it's a good matchup because they haven't given up a sack all season. Yeah. So I, I like the offensive line for the Ducks. And, uh, yeah, Washington State, obviously, you know, I'm not sure if Cam Ward is as good as we expected him to be. And I, I think real Oregon, it feels like there's really good uh, morale around the team right now. I like them by 10. Arizona's at Cal, 230 Pac-12 Networks. I was on the Cal bandwagon last week. Uh, I had a reader and a listener say, there's a bandwagon? Uh, I jump in, I'm jumping off the bandwagon. I'm going with the Wildcats this week. Uh, Wildcats are a three-point underdog. I think they win the game outright. Arizona over Cal. I just don't know that Arizona's ready to take that step of winning this Pac-12 game uh, on the road, even against a bad uh, average Cal team. I think Justin Wilcox is going to have something in store for Jane Delora, who has looked uncomfortable the last few weeks behind center for Arizona. I like Cal. I think it's kind of a coin flip, but I'll, I'll favor Justin Wilcox and the Cal Golden Bears bouncing back after that uh, that heartbreaker against Notre Dame. USC's at Oregon State, 630 Pac-12 Network's biggest game in our state. I like Oregon State a lot, but I, I don't love them in this matchup. It, I, I I almost switched my pick overnight, but that's how torn I am over this Oregon State-USC game. If the Beavers can run the ball, if they can get into third and short, stay on the field, I think they can be right there with USC. So I think this is going to be a close game. I still picked USC to win it. Um, and I think it's like, you know, this is a one-score game. It, I don't think USC is going to blow Oregon State off the field, but I think Oregon State's going to have to be very good to win this game. I'm fascinated uh, by what the atmosphere is going to be like as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I hope it's a close game. Um, and I've been wrong on USC all year. I've faded them every single game against the spread. Uh, but for Oregon State fans, I like USC in this game. I, I might have relayed the points, so hopefully I'm wrong about it and Oregon State wins. It could be great for the state just to get that win over USC, but... Uh, that offense, man, I, it's going to be tough. Oregon State's not going to get blown off the field, but I think at the end, you'll just wear them down a little bit. I like USC. I think there's a clear blueprint for Oregon State to win, especially with uh, if Oregon State's offense comes to play against that weak defense. But I think it comes down to a possession, and I like USC by six. Stanford's at Washington, 730 FS1. Huskies are good. I, I just like what they're doing right now. But here's the thing. Stanford's coming off a bye week. And the Pac-12 teams coming off bye weeks have historically been very good. So uh, this is a big test for Washington. I think they pass it. I think they beat Stanford. I think they cover. But I'm I'm really going to watch this game because I think this is a, a potential hiccup for Washington. I actually really like Stanford plus the points in this game. Uh, the Stanford-USC game at Stanford, where there really isn't home field advantage, kind of a neutral field, it was 9. USC was minus 9. So Washington at home is minus 13 and a half. Seems like a little bit of an overreaction to one win over Michigan State. Stanford has a really good quarterback, really good coaching staff. I like Stanford plus the points. I think it might actually be a lot closer other than 13, and Stanford may have a chance to win this. Totally agree. I, I think a lot of people have kind of gotten off Stanford bandwagon since they lost to USC, but I think a lot of teams are going to lose to USC this year, and they're coming off that bye. David Shaw has a lot more experience than Kalen DeBoer. I, I kind of like Stanford to walk in there. Maybe not win the game, but I, I think it's, you know, maybe lose by three or something. I think it's a really close game. Utah is at Arizona State, 7.30 Saturday night, ESPN. Um, look, uh, Herm Edwards is gone, and sometimes you see teams that come out after a head coaching change. They play really well. I just don't think Arizona State's that team, and I think Utah's good. I think Utah, 
boat races Arizona State. I have it 41-14. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there. The one thing is there's rumors that uh, you know the coaching staff was leaking information to the opponents about Arizona State, their own information. So now that oh, Herm's boy. gone, maybe they're not leaking that information and they'll be more prepared to go against Utah. Utah won't have the blueprint. But uh, all joking aside, I do think Utah will crush them. Yeah, no, Arizona State's a huge mess. I think Utah is capable of blowing these teams out. They, we saw them blow out San Diego State. We saw them really blow out uh, Southern Utah, and I think they do the same to a, a really messy Arizona State program. Wow. Uh, yeah, that report coming out of The Athletic, Doug Holler, who joined us on this show earlier this week, said that um, opposing coaches told The Athletic that it wasn't hard to get intel on Arizona State because – there were people inside the athletic department who were leaking intel to opposing teams. Wow. What do you do if you're Arizona State? You fire the uh, you start firing people? Uh, you, what do you do? Yeah, you got to get rid of everybody, right? You got to start over. And then we talked about this like do you go after a veteran coach or a new guy? I think you got to start over and go new and just go all fresh and go from the ground up. Man, how 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 angry do you have to be? And like things are so bad at Arizona State that you got staff members leaking intel, apparently. Like, to me, this... I Look, I think there should already be some pressure on Ray Anderson, the athletic director, um, at Arizona State. Like, he hired Herm Edwards. This is his experiment. It didn't work out. Herm Edwards broke rules while you were there. The NCAA is investigating. Ray Anderson, the athletic director, he's got to be culpable in this. And if you have employees at Arizona State who are undermining the football program... You have a you have a cultural issue at Arizona State, and I think Ray Anderson should be in trouble at Arizona State. I don't know if he will be because Michael Crow, the university president there, is is uh, you know on his own island doing his own thing most of the time. No, I agree, man. It, it was a weird hire when it happened, and it did work out. So I think you got to be uh, criticized for that. And yeah, I mean, hot seat or not, but I think Arizona State, man, they're in trouble. They're in a worse spot when they put. Uh, Worse spot now than they were when they hired her members. It's not only their football program. Like, in my opinion, Bobby Hurley and the men's basketball program have been underachieving for years. Like, it feels like they always underachieve for the amount of talent that they have, and Hurley continues to have a job. So, yeah, just a, a lot of lot of shaky, a lot of shaky Man. things in that uh, Arizona State Athletic Department. What's on tap this weekend? I'll tell you what you should be watching next. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.